0: Welcome to Second Win, the podcast, where we uncover the stories, methods, and modalities of women and men who have found their purpose while walking this earth. Sometimes they found their second win by accident, sometimes by hardship, and sometimes by intent. There is always something to learn from others and really isn't finding our own purpose what we are all looking for. I know I am, and that's why I'm hosting this very podcast. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. Welcome again, dear Second Winders. I have yet again another fabulous lady for you. Her name is Suzanne Conti-Becknell, and she's a woman who is 45 years in the scientific lab, like in the lab, doing the stuff, and has since started a thriving private chef business called The Farmer Can Cook. I can attest it is flipping delicious. And I have ordered and will continue to do so. Anyway, there is way more to her story than a woman who went from the lab to cooking for people. And I mean, we're talking she lived in an RV with her husband, planted her own orchard. She's gone up against the state pest regulation of South Carolina and won and think glyphosate and things like that. She didn't want that on her vegetables and herbs and things like that. And she didn't sit back. She went ahead and said, nope. And just like all second-winders, she has a determination and intuition that keep her moving forward. And I had met her at a farmer's market in Serenby. I've had a few guests on from that neat little area. And I just looked at her. I said, ah, you got a story, don't you? And she's like, yeah, I kind of do because right now in her life, she's a grandmother like me, but you just turned 66 and she doesn't really need to be private chefing and schlepping, (laughs) which when I went to pick up all of our food, it was definitely a schlep for her to do that. It was like boxes and boxes and boxes. And with all the instructions, it was amazing. But anyway, Suzanne, I am excited for you to tell your story. Welcome to Second Wind, the
1: podcast. Thank you so much. You have a big family, so that's why all the food <laughs> filled my car
0: up so much. Well, and the idea was what we don't eat, we freeze and then people have meals for days after. So, and it worked out great. It was great. So Suzanne, let us begin because I mean, 45 years in a lab, people probably have their own picture of what that looks like, what inspired you when you very well could have just retired and just kind of lived and chilled and went to France whenever you wanted to go visit your daughter and traveled and do all the things that you love to do. Instead, you decided to start this business. Share what that was, that thing that made you do that. I think it
1: wasn't one particular thing. I think it was a lifetime of wanting to do my own thing, and especially in the realm of growing my food and using it in the kitchen to cook. So in my laboratory years, I started working for a medical manufacturer that made clinical microbiology equipment, and that was in North Carolina. And when I did that, I purchased a farm at that time. It was in 2012. So I purchased a farm that actually made me become an instant blueberry farmer, pecan farmer, blackberry farmer. It was just loaded with the goodness that I really wanted to raise myself. So I was still traveling a lot. And at the age of 59, I decided to retire early and just concentrate on the farm. And at that time, my husband and I thought, this is such a beautiful place. And it really was. It was an old, I won't say it was a plantation home, but it was more like a plantation cottage looking home that was small, but, you know, three or four bedrooms, nothing huge. That was built in 1868, and it had the most beautiful home run and it had beautiful grounds, and we thought, why not open it up to have events? So that whole concept spurred me to cook for these events. So I used one I grew and brought it inside cooked for weddings, corporate events, parties and it's kind of just snowballed from that from having the resource and saying what can I do with it that really would fulfill me in my retirement years. That's a lot of work though, cooking for events. <laughs> my sister always says that that sounds like a lot of work. I love to be purposeful every single day. I love, love, love putting my hands in dirt. That's the thing that I really learned as a really small child around my tiny little Sicilian grandfather. He would grow all the food to feed his family. And of course we, we lived only a block away. So he would come and he used part of our property to grow some of his crops. And I would be out there with him every single day when he was hoeing. He kept everything immaculate with a hoe, nothing mechanical at all. And so he would hoe and pull weeds and he just grew the the most fabulous food. Mm -hmm. And I would be out there with him. And I think he had an ulterior motive to sort of teach me by putting a bag of chocolate in his pocket. (laughs) Chocolate kisses were in his pocket. So, of course, I love chocolate, and I love being with my grandfather. So, yeah, and he would always give me chocolate, and we would be out there hoeing, and I just loved it, and it's just been a passion for a long time. But I will say, I never really had the desire to own a farm until later. Like, I always had some kind of a garden and grew things, but it was never on a huge scope until I found the perfect property that fit with where I needed to be. And I could work it into my schedule while I was traveling. So I really enjoyed retiring. I kind of started the farmer's markets back then because I had so much produce. I mean, I had about an acre of blueberries that were very productive and they were taller than me and they were a lot of work to take care of. But I made sure that they were constantly producing grapefruit and I had just as many blackberries. And so then I dug up my own space to put tomatoes and everything else that I wanted to grow and sell. And in the meantime of doing all that, decided to get certified organic. So I was growing organically, but I thought why not go through the process being in the medical field, Documentation was nothing to me, and that's basically what being certified organic is. You have to document everything, follow the rules, and adjust to growing organically, which is not always easy.
0: Right. And real quick, because there's a lot of controversy, and I want to get back to your story, but a lot of people feel like the organic symbol that we see may or may not actually be true. Do you know what I mean? Like there's some level of distrust, especially with the government, blah, 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 blah. But what can you share about your experience in becoming a certified organic farmer and, and what that means to you? And do you believe that when you see that symbol on every single thing that, that has that symbol?
1: I can say that I would be asked a lot are you sure this is grown organically? And I think when you do go certified organic, it's not just because you want to sell to a certain caliber of people or people that only want organic. It's more than that. It's a lifestyle for myself. I did not want to have anything in my yard that had pesticides or or anything. I'm not going to feed it to my family. And I didn't want to grow something and seed it to somebody else. So you would go to the farmer's markets and see these peppers that were huge, like football size and strawberries that that they weren't real to me. And it's just not something I would have done. But I did have a lot of people question it. Now, when I go and buy certified organic myself, I do know Mm -hmm. what those people have gone through. I know the inspections that they get and those inspectors can pop in at any time. And I know everything it takes. So, so I'm pretty sure in my own mind, if someone's going to say they're organic, they're following the rules. And and they wouldn't be paying back to the government, which certified organic people have to pay a percentage of your profits back to the government because they are inspecting your produce. Oh, I so, didn't even think
0: that.
1: Of that makes a huge difference yeah. to follow everything. There's a limit to how much. I mean, you can sell hundreds of thousands of dollars worth a year and they do cap it at a limit, but it's still very expensive to be a
0: certified organic farmer. It's really backwards. It really, it should cost you more to use the crap to make us sick. But because the medical and the, all the prescriptions and all the, hey, let's get, you know, That's a whole rabbit hole we could go down. Yeah,
1: one feeds the other.
0: Yeah, exactly. So anyway, thank you for answering that question. I've always wondered as well, because I'm like, well, I mean, I want to believe this is organic because I really like it, but can I trust that? And you're saying you probably can. So that's good to know.
1: Advanced strict guidelines, and they do not allow anything that would be harmful at all to ingest And if you have an issue and you really need some kind of pest control, they have lots of other options. You don't have to use chemicals. So there's a lot of ways that you can get around the chemical aspect of it from beneficial, you name it.
0: You and I both know the Roundup way is like the easy way out way, right? Like when we would have a bunch of weeds here at our farm and and they were growing up along the fence, my husband actually went out and bought the the stuff that is awful, and I said, "Absolutely not! Will you be spraying that anywhere near our property, our well water, our animals?" No, take it back, take it back. He's like, "Oh my God! You see how much we have to do?" And I'm like, "Well, then we're going to do it." And there are alternatives. You just got to go look for them. But we're so convenient. So let me just spray that. It'll go away in twelve hours, right? It'll turn brown and go away. But damage we do with just that. If every person is doing that to their weeds, whether they live on a farm or they live in a neighborhood or even the city, I mean, it's exponential. And that's why we're in the predicament we're in with our groundwater and our land. It's ridiculous. So this is a great segue to talk about what you did with your farm and having to go up against the bigwigs. Well, can you share that story? I was, dumb when you told me that story, I was like, oh my God, you go girl. So I was noticing the farmer next to me
1: had no buffer between me and him to where he was actually planting soybeans, cotton, and stirring up the ground, filling the whole atmosphere around my farm with this dust that was laden with chemicals. And I noticed my blueberry leaves were all brown. Like my plants were being affected. Everything was touched by it, even though he wasn't spraying it on my field, but it carries in the wind and it can carry for up to two miles. I mean, it can go. So I looked into the Clemson Extension Services and they recommended that I go through the pesticide division for the state of South Carolina because their regulations affect how farmers can use these products. It doesn't say they can't, but it has in place certain requirements for them to use them safer. Now, it doesn't mean they don't go in the groundwater and when the flat land of South Carolina flooded, his water came into my land when it flooded in the back, you know, of my field. So, but the, what they do is they work with farmers to make sure that they're not contaminating anything other than what they intend to contaminate and use that pesticide, herbicide, fertilizer for. So, I went through the division. They came out. They looked at everything. They did not have to take any samples. They will do that. They'll take samples of your leaves and things and do a chemical investigation as to what actually caused it. But he could tell right away it was from the drift. He could tell. So he went back to the farmer and he said, look, you could be fined a million dollars by not following the manufacturer's recommendations for applying this product. So that's exactly what he had to do was to go back and make a change on how he was applying it. And instead of taking his tractor, throwing it out and driving 35 miles an hour so all the dust goes up in the air, he had to put a boom on his tractor and make it go right into the soil 12 inches from the boom to the soil on a day that wasn't windy
0: blowing in my direction. So, I mean, that makes a difference, right? I mean, even though it's the lesser of two, it's the lesser of two evils. Right.
1: And he had to leave 30 feet of barrier that he could not use that land that he was leasing. And he didn't own that land, so he didn't really care much about it, other than what he was growing and getting out of it. So he had 30 feet all the way up my acreage that he could not till because that was considered a barrier. So he was not happy about that. He was not happy about having to do, he actually did the process himself because his guys, they didn't care, they just, they didn't care anything about the wind or anything. So we developed a system. I I did talk to him personally. I went over to my fence and said, look, you're mixing your chemicals right here, which he did that right by my fence. So anything that blew, just destroyed anything on my fence was lined with muscadines, beautiful muscadines, could not pick those at all. And so we devised a system where I would put a flag out. I would check the wind direction, and I would put a flag out, either red or green. Green meant, it's good for you to go, the wind's not blowing in my direction. And red meant, you can't do this today. And he did not live in the county I lived in, so he wasn't really keen on all of this, but He followed all of the regulations and recommendations because he did not want to be fined a million dollars for contaminating somebody else's property.
0: Well, and you became the eyes and the ears. He knew you weren't just going to sit back and complain. You were actually going to physically pay. Right. How could I
1: say that my produce was organic when it's covered, when the leaves were covered with brown spots? You know, I knew... It was going to affect everything I grew. So that is the one thing that you can't control. So I did what I could to control it to the best of my ability. And I never did see the same damage again. So whatever he did worked. It worked, and it was painful. He was really pissy with me and very condescending because, number one, I was a woman, and number two, I wasn't from the South. Um, And he made it very clear that he did not appreciate what I was doing and but that he would follow what they recommended. And they came out several times and worked with him and they reported back to me. And I felt, you know, you do have to be your own advocate. No one's going to do it for you. And it can be very painful to do it. But even my husband would come and stand at the fence with me. And that farmer would talk right over me and talk to my husband, who had nothing really to do other than mow the lawn with my growing crops. So it was pretty clear that being a woman was not something that he wanted to ever listen to, being told that you can't do this to my land. So that was tough, but it worked. Yeah, (laughs) It worked for what I needed. And and I wasn't really sure sure there was going to be a resolution. And one thing the pest regulation guy told me was, that farmer's lucky that you were a school full of children. I said, what difference would that make? I'm selling all my produce to people that own kids. It doesn't have their own kids. And it doesn't matter. It's my water system. It's my pets. It's me. It's anyone that comes to my home.
0: Yeah. No, that's amazing. I'm so glad we, we just, we all need to fight for what's right, but it's so easy not to because it is a lot of work and you ended up having to spend hours you'll never get back dealing with the BS of it all when it probably shouldn't be allowed anyway to begin with. If it just were banned to begin with, you wouldn't have even had to go there and spend your time doing that. My daughter tells me all the time, she says, Mom, I can go to
1: McDonald's in France because everything is all organic and clean. They don't use soybean oil. They, they, don't only, use, they only use sunflower. They do not use any soybean products in Europe at all.
0: In France? No. Don't oh allow it. Um, because? Because why? I know why, but because why? Well,
1: because, number one, things are genetically modified, and number two, they're grown with these herbicides and pesticides that are not allowed in Europe. So,
0: yeah, it's just crazy. She has an organic McDonald's. Well, that's pretty cool. It's just like with my Lyme disease, the amount of destruction because of the money, follow the money trail between the drugs. And the prescriptions, and the patents, and who's making money and who's not, and insurance, and blah 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 blah. It just makes your head spin. Do you feel like it's getting any better? I mean, there's more organic stuff popping up. You can find more in supermarkets now, especially in Georgia. When I first moved to Georgia, what like eighteen years ago, nineteen years ago, there was no organic sections in stores. Now they've moved it back in and kind of infiltrated and not have an organic section anymore. Now they put it, so they make you go through the aisles of all the junk, but it seems like we have way more now. I agree. I think there
1: have been initiatives for small organic farms. I don't know if it's been something that the government felt they just had to bring out and do, or if they really wanted change, but big ag definitely has a revolving door with these chemical companies and the FDA. Yes, so there is an initiative, though, for more organic producers. And I've met a lot of women, especially in the county I live in now, in Georgia, that just refuse to plant and grow anything that isn't organic. And so maybe one at a time, <laughs> we're making a difference. <laughs> I can only hope that At least what I have done and produced and sold to people has been really with the best health in mind because we've heard it all. Either you pay now or you pay later. And organic food is more expensive, but I really think it's because of all the regulations and the payback you have to do to be an organic producer.
0: The money is going to be made by the government one way or the other. Whether we like it or not. So that's I mean, ah, it's frustrating. But I love that there's no easy fix. But maybe if we keep just talking about it and people start acting like you did and reacting rather than complaining. That's a big thing. I was saying you you could have just retired and just did all the things you wanted to do, but you decided no, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep doing the organic thing, spreading the love cooking for people, educating along the way, and life isn't supposed to be convenient. I really feel like once we get into that mode of, oh, it's just convenient, it's just easy to do this, we stop growing and we stop really serving others. And I love that you, you're you like busier than ever now. But let's go back a little bit because you did the hoeing with your grandfather And even though you were busy traveling in the lab, you loved with the lab job. You loved to cook and you always loved to cook and farm. So here you are at what, 59 and you go and you buy this farm and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to retire and leave this really great salary (laughs) and we're going to make this happen. What created the need for you to Just having the extra produce was why? Having the extra berries and herbs and just not wanting it to go to waste? Or is it because you had that chemical background and you knew how things worked and could master recipes?
1: Well, that's definitely part of it because there's a real science to baking for sure. And some things you just have to follow the protocol (laughs) to make it work. Other things, you can just be creative and throw it together. And I found that when I grew my own things, I wanted to find different ways to present it at a farm-to-table dinner, like we would have farm-to-table dinners for 60 people. And I would grow beets, and I just didn't want to throw some beets on a plate, but I wanted it to be not only nutritious, but really beautiful-looking and creative and something that tastes so fresh and good that a couple beets and fresh carrots would be like wow this is amazing so i wanted the food that i was growing to be just as amazing as the plates i was i was serving with that food so i came from a long line of great cooks definitely on my mother's sicilian side my my grandmother was a fabulous cook my mom was a fabulous cook and i don't know too much about anyone before that but I'm pretty sure that these recipes were passed down. And so I grew up eating fabulous food and I would just be interested in watching my mom cook and I would ask her questions all the time. And my Sicilian grandmother did not speak much English at all, but just a few things. So she couldn't really connect with me, But, but everything she made, I make today. And I don't know how I know, but I've just remember the taste. And so I've, I've done things to bring that taste back. Like focaccia, for instance, is a Sicilian focaccia that I make. And it is so close to what she used to make because she would use best olive oil and only the best tomatoes. and And everything was kind of simple so that the great flavors came through. So I think it's a combination for me of Wanting to do these events, first of all, we had a beautiful property. We did events, and wanting to be the one that did the cooking, so it was just a great way to use that surplus I had. People loved it. I loved it, and it was such a neat environment to come. We would feed people out in the field, and we had beautiful lighting and sometimes fireworks, and it was just so much fun. Like, where can you go to? You know, so you're not sitting in a restaurant, sitting outside with 65 of your other friends. It's really, really fun. so we enjoyed it as much as as everybody that would come to our farm-to-table dinners. And every corporate event, they thought it was so fabulous to be in this cool old house that had a lot of history. And they just felt it was a good feeling. So that South Carolina farm was awesome. But we did leave it. We left North Carolina farm. Not
0: anymore. But I have a quick question. Was that the farm kitchen where you maybe saw? Oh yeah. That yeah. So your intuition also, your intuition and your connectiveness also help you create these amazing foods with love. I mean, you can feel that. Definitely. When it's weird to say that eating your bread, I felt a warmth, but it's true. But I feel like that has something to do with your ability to kind of hone in on the energy in the universe. And when you and I were talking a while back, you said, yeah, I really feel because I forget what you had said. And I go, wow, you sound like maybe you believe in angels and spirits and stuff. You're like, well, yeah. And, and then you told me this story. Yeah. Tell the okay, story because so it's pretty
1: cool. I saw yeah. quite a few things on that farm. One family owned that property, and they lived in that house for 103 years. So there was a lot of living and a lot of dying in that house. But it never felt creepy or weird because I always have that radar in mind when I'm walking into a place. Does it feel weird? Does it feel creepy? Could I live here? Especially, I lived there alone for, until I met my husband. So I saw a few things, just glimpses of things were just like having to do with someone walking the fields, you know, or someone standing in the kitchen. So we we did a lot of renovation and we had just put a new door into the kitchen right by the stove so you could walk right out to the beautiful deck. And I walked in the kitchen one day and I saw the woman... One of the daughters that had lived in their house, she came back and and stayed in the house with her husband after her parents had died. And, And she had lost a couple sisters there too. She came back and lived in the house. And this woman, she had charisma because she was one of the first people to train other farm women on how to pickle thing. The women that didn't have any kind of education needed education on how to be safe on their farms. And she went to Winthrop. So
0: you researched all this about this farm. So you knew the history. You had all this. Wow, that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I had learned about her and she had went to Winthrop College. Her husband went
1: to the college that is was now known as Duke <laughs> University. Oh, wow. Were, yeah. So they were two educated 25-year-olds when they got together, and she was the start of the extension services across the country. So she was amazing. She was into women being on a farm. And so I think she was just thrilled with me having, you know, think about it. I'm an ordinary
0: Wait, wait. So, Suzanne, tell me, how many years ago was this? This was 2012.
1: I had the farm for seven years
0: there. Yeah, but how long ago was when this lady? Oh, gosh. She
1: was there in the 50s. She came yeah. back to that okay. place in the 50s. So it was 50 years before me. Okay. okay. So whenever the extension
0: services... And she died. You have to say she died. She died. Yep. Gone. Okay. Yeah, important. she's gone. <laughs>
1: but it was just really cool knowing that someone me being a northerner, came down and bought her father's house and her house years and years and years later and was a woman farmer. So it's kind of like a whole circus story to me. But nothing ever scared me that except the snake that got in my house. That was the only thing that ever scared me.
0: But you didn't say what happened. You walked into the kitchen. So I walk
1: in the kitchen and she's just standing there with the biggest grin on her face looking at me. And then she disappears. Like, it was a glimpse and gone. Like, she was so... Oh, cool. that's freaking cool. She was just... And you knew it was her? Oh, yeah. I I'd seen a lot of pictures of her from the owner of the house. When I bought it, had a ton of pictures from when he was there at the house. And wow. so I think he bought it from her f- estate or something like that. But I don't know how long he had it. He might have had it 20 years or longer. But he had rented it out. He never really lived in the house. But he was interested in planting all the bushes, planting all the produce, and he was a farmer. Or I'm sorry, an engineer. So he loved tinkering with, let's put electricity out here and let's bury pipes over here. Oh wow! It was an interesting experience. It really was, but. You know, when you're open-minded, and I I was so open to that property. I'm surprised I ever left it. I really am.
0: I know. We need to find out why. Because you saw things more than once. You saw, I don't want to say ghosts, but what would you call it? Energy.
1: Really positive energy there. You know, (laughs) glimpses of how wonderful it was for other people. And it was great for me and my husband. We loved it. But the thing about old homes is they were always on a dirt road. And now their home is on a four-lane highway. So there wasn't a lot of peace. You would hear traffic. When I was traveling a lot, there wasn't that much traffic to me because I would only come home in the evenings and it would die down a little bit. But you're there all the time and... They put a new Walmart distribution center 10 miles from your house, and everyone gets off the interstate, goes, oh, in front of your house, 18-wheelers day and night. Like, it was tough.
0: Oh, so you decided to leave, so that kind of helped you say, okay, need to go. So where did you end up? What, what made you leave? What happened next? We ended up where
1: family was. So I have a brother here and had a sister here as well. She's since moved back to Florida, but my son, and his wife moved from LA here because her family's here, Sonoy. Oh, Sonoy,
0: yep. That's where our restaurant is. Little little restaurant plug, that's where McGuire's Family and Friends is, yes.
1: And I have a granddaughter and I get to see her a lot and I wanted to be where they are. So I said, you know,
0: let's go, let's find new property and mm-hmm. let's start over. <laughs> yeah. Start over again. And now at what age were you now? Because is that when you decided to live in an RV with your husband?
1: That's right. That was four years ago that we moved back here. Yeah. So I had been at other seven in, and moved here for four. And we decided we couldn't find anything for years. And we had been really looking for a couple of years while we were in South Carolina because I knew that my kids would come back to Atlanta and I wanted to be around them. Yeah. But we finally ended up in a subdivision for two years and sold that house at the time where prices were so high. (laughs) And we had found some beautiful property, beautiful rolling pasture, just 15 minutes south of where we lived. And we jumped on it and i convinced my claustrophobic husband <laughs> to live in an rv for eight months while we built the house but it wasn't so great in that little rv although it was it was pretty big but we could get out and we had 10 acres to get out on and we were watching the house being built and we did a lot of the finished work ourselves because we wanted some special things and and we knew how to do it so we did and we were right here watching everything so we really did not have a punch list at all. We took care of everything every day. Yeah, so it worked out pretty well. And the day after we moved in here to this house, we sold that RV.
0: <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Never want to see that again. That's funny. So did you start planting right away? I planted before the house was even
1: built. We had bought the property Let's see, probably a month before any construction started. And I had a lot of plants and trees already that I had ready to go. So I brought them here to the property and planted my orchard right away. Then moved to my raised bed garden. I have a lot of raised beds now. They're just with armadillos. It's so tough. They dig everything up and then. Yeah. So I put everything in nice metal raised beds and you can grow a lot in a raised bed and they're easier to take care of. You don't really have the weed problem. And so that's what I've started building my raised bed garden and it's gotten twice as big this year. So.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's so neat. When did you decide you wanted to be a private chef and do that? Because that's time consuming and you're trying to plant. And I mean, I can't even imagine, I can't even take care of like a few tomato plants and some time. I just look at this stuff and I go, I don't have time for that. Even though I want to have time for that. It's hard, but I see you and these farmer's markets. It's not like you just go for a couple hours and hang out and here, buy this and I'll take your money and go home. It's not like that. It is a commitment. Why are you doing that?
1: Well, When we moved to that subdivision, I was so bored. I needed to do something. And so I started looking into being an artisan baker because I I didn't have the space to grow much. I had a couple of blueberry bushes and things. But so what I decided to do was become an artisan baker. And I love CeraVe, so I thought, okay, "Okay, I'll learn how to bake bread and make French pastries. And so I did that and started sowing them at the farmer's market in both Sanoy and Cerambee.
0: So yep, and you were selling out because it is delicious. Yeah. yeah. So I only make what I like, but I like
1: really yeah. good yummy stuff. So so it was a huge success. And I thought, okay, this is a good opportunity to market cooking for people again. And hopefully, eventually, we'll start doing that here at our farm, you know, have some farm-to-table dinners or some kind of events, maybe, I don't know. Um, I was open to it. Yeah, open to it all, so I thought, I'm going to start just marketing myself while I'm at these markets, and so I had the Farmer Can Cook cards made up, and I just said, yeah, I have a private chef service as well, and I started cooking a lot for people in Sanby who were having dinner parties, people in Noonan having dinner parties, parties for birthdays, people that would rent at Serenby for the week and they wanted someone to come up and cook three meals for them or something, you know? So it was really fun and it's grown so much that I'm no longer doing the farmer's markets. And a lot of my marketing has been word of mouth they want me because they heard about me and -and so-and-so told them about me. And so that's how my business has grown. And that's what I'm doing right now is all my private chefing. And I do some hunt club work. And for a private club near me, some wonderful people, they just love having me cook for these guys. And I come up and do that. And lots of people have a new client in Serenby that is vegan, organic, and (laughs) gluten-free. Love that. Yeah, so it's really cool. It's stretching my boundaries a bit, and I I really love it.
0: Yeah, the gluten-free and and trying to come up with the recipes and what to use that is still healthy and, if you can, organic to to get the same result is challenging. It's very
1: tricky. (laughs) But I love that challenge. I really do, and I never thought I couldn't do it. Like, I just thought, no problem. I'll look into it, and I'll do it. Anything you ask me to do, I'll try to do what you want. That's my whole thing. I want to make people love the food that they are eating, you know, what they like. You know, if if you don't like eggplant, okay, fine. No problem.
0: We'll do something else. (laughs) I got you. What keeps you going now? Like, because you don't have to do this. No. You don't have to do this. It's not like you're doing it for the money. Oh,
1: no. No. No.
0: Food prices are,
1: have become skyrocketed out, out of sight, and so there's not a lot of profit. Of course, I try to make it have some profit, but it's it's tricky when you cook for four people. You certainly don't make what you can cook for thirty people. So right, right. I just like to do it all, and I guess the reason I keep going is because number one, I love doing it, and Number two, I would get so bored, I think, without something like that. I love the people part of it, and now, I will say recently, I had found the most wonderful garden club here in my county, Merryweather. These women are incredible they're farmers, they know anything and everything. they love growing their own food, they love growing their own plants, their own flowers, whatever and they range in age from 20 to 80. And so I've become a part of that group. I finally found my niche of women that really can relate to me, and I get inspired from them. So, yeah, so that's something I've gotten involved in. And there's chat strings of text another, like, a whole bunch of other women that just love gardening and might be... Have you ever done this? And what about your chickens? And you name it. They talk about Oh, wow. So I've gotten a little more involved in that. Plus, I've been increasing my garden space now that we're settled in the house and don't have the work to do here other than some landscaping now. So I am spending more of my time outside. But what the private chef business does is it gives me the opportunity to say, no, I don't really have time for that. I don't have to do it. But the farmer's market, it was every week, and I was working 12 hours a day, four days a week. And there might be a time that I say, you know what? I'm done cooking, (laughs) just like Forrest Gump. I think I'll go home now. But I love to cook for my family. In fact, today I made a really nice focaccia to take to my brother's house later, so, and some creme brulee. (laughs) So, I've enjoyed every bit of it, you know. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. So, for people in the area, in the greater Atlanta area and South Atlanta, would you say? Yeah. How can they find you if they want to give some of your stuff a try?
1: Well, so they can always email me at the farmerkincook at com. They can do that. You can look me up online. You can search private chefs, ceremony, and you probably find the farmer can cook listed there. Yeah, you're there. Yeah. So pretty easy to get a hold of if you needed something. And I love doing anything you want me to do, but <laughs> I've done then for you. And looks like you're doing it similar here.
0: So Suzanne, tell me, like, tell me this. What do you say to yourself? What keeps you going? What keeps you so positive and so dialed in with the energy around you?
1: I get inspired by change. I just always have. I am so inspired by seasonal change, and that's why I love Georgia, because you do see pretty much four distinct seasons. And every season brings something new, like as far as, okay, I'm gonna plant some apple trees this year. So I've already got them in the ground because I had some time to do that. I stay inspired just by what I see online. And there's a lot of shows that I love Some new French cooking shows and things on TV. Magnolia Network has some wonderful things. I get inspired by the visual. And I can find a new recipe and try it and love it. And I can find a new recipe and try it and hate it. Just happened to me the other day. I made something from the Today Show. It was awful. (laughs) It was awful. It's not always a win, you know, so... I think it's the a challenge, challenge of I want to find something cool to do with this broccoli or, you know, so yeah, it doesn't take a lot to inspire me. I will say the power of women either in business or having their own thing to do is really inspiring to me. And I never want to give that up. I never want to, I want to teach my granddaughter, which I have been doing already. Um, Every time I come over there, she goes, wait, are we going to cook? So she loves Oh, that's so cool. She's growing a little garden, and she's three years old. So I'm already uh, cognizant of passing down some things to her that she won't get otherwise. And I heard a chef say recently that he, his love for cooking started when he learned how to cook from his grandmother when he was two years old and it's there you go a lot of these women that garden are teaching their grandchildren because their own children have no interest but their grandchildren have an interest
0: so it might skip a generation we're bringing it back oh i love that these are things that we as grandparents i i need to think about with my time with my grandchildren now that i have 3 plus the 9 year old all of a sudden what can I do with them as they get older that will teach them something so that they're able at 60 something to say, I did this with my grandmother. I learned how to do this. and It was so special to me. I think that's what I really want to focus on right now is how can I make and create something so special that continues on, right? that will keep going and has the positive energy and the love and the caring and the whole universe behind me kind of thing. Yeah. And that's what you're bringing. And that's what your cooking brings. And that's why I wanted you to have you on the show, just a a lighthearted, Hey, here's a woman going and doing and making and not just sitting back and waiting for the next glass of wine or to go out to dinner or you love traveling, but it's not all about the travel. The travel complements what you're doing. You're not living to travel. You're traveling to be part of the whole picture and add to your, rep, your repertoire, so to speak. I feel the draw to go back to Europe and
1: eventually hope to live there at least six months out of the year. I can get dual citizenship through my mother, who basically had it her whole life because her parents, when she was born, her parents were still Italian citizens. So I can go through the whole process. It, it takes a long time, a couple of years to get it, but I'm going to be doing that, and I want to have a place, yeah, to be near my daughter, who has is going to raise her children in France. So I want to be there. I want to be present in their life too. So. I see that coming. I do.
0: And if that's the case, that probably won't be much. But yeah. Yeah, but we'll get for some of the time six months, like six months, she's here. Go. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be spending my six months in Europe, my
1: husband will be fishing.
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Do you have any words of wisdom or a mantra that you say to yourself that when you maybe get down or? It's exhausted or overwhelmed that you use to... Yeah. You know, at my age, being 66, there is some self-destructive
1: dialogue going on in my head about, you're 66 years old. Why are you doing this? Why do you want to stand at a farmer's market? Why does it look ridiculous doing what you're doing? Ageism is a dream killer. I'll tell you that. And it's kind of rampant. Once you get to that age, you'll see ageism come out in other people, the way they treat you, or in your own head, because you're believing the lie. And when that creeps in, I just have to say, nope. I have never felt more alive, more healthy, more fit and happy than I am now. And so I try to get that self-destructive stuff out of my head as soon as possible because it will squash any creativity or any dream that you might think, oh, should I open a bakery or something? Oh, no, not at your age,
0: you know. So, Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100% agree with you, Adam. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that because even just like me getting back into the gym, I'm like, oh, look at her. She's lifting that, and I used to be able to lift that, and now I can't. And it's so easy to just walk out of the gym and say, well, right, because you feel all bad about yourself. Like, no. Got to start somewhere.
1: And you got to find your place of clarity to see through that. I always go to my swing. I sit in my swing, and the motion of going back and forth just kind of clears all of the cobwebs and all of the confusion and all of the questions and helps me see clearly through things. Do I really want to be in a bakery? No, I really don't. I want to be outside, you know? so I can, even though I might have a dream, oh, that would be awesome. I really don't want to do it at this stage in my life. And that's the other thing. Dreams do change at different stages.
0: Clarity, finding clarity. Yeah. And you're able to hone yes. in on the clarity of it and just keep yourself on the path that suits you.
1: Right. And don't stand in the way of how your life's evolving. You you just can't, you have to let it happen. And I try not to, I try to let things happen, even though I'm a planner, I like to plan ahead. I'm trying to just let it roll and see where it ends up.
0: And you never know. (laughs) Yeah, because you talk, like we talked a long time ago. I'm like, did you always wanna do what you're doing? And you're like, I never thought of it back then. I knew I wanted to grow things, but you didn't stand in the way and say, well, this is crazy. You just went with it. Right. The opportunity was there and you went. And these opportunities come and it's having the clarity to decipher which one to actually put the energy into. And also being able to change course if you need. Exactly. But always coming back to that place of clarity. Right. I love that. We all need to figure that out. Yeah, that's for sure. One thing
1: I have learned for sure in all of this gardening experience and life experience is that pruning, whether it be in your garden or in your life, has always resulted in healthy growth. Always. And I have an example. I had the most beautiful blackberry bushes. Full, full, full every year. But I couldn't get to the fruit because of all these some of the, you know, they had the thorns on them. So I decided I'm cutting half of them out. I'm trimming them down to nothing. And they went from being six feet tall to three feet tall. And I looked like I was in a lot of cat scratch fights <laughs> after I was done. But uh-huh. to tell you the truth, the next year, I had the most amazing big blackberries. I didn't have a sow, no. but... It always results in healthy growth. And you have to remember that when something happens in your life and things always happen, that this pruning that's happening is going to result in healthy growth. And it doesn't, the universe would not do it to you or allow it to you or let the plan go into place if it wasn't for a great reason. And, you know, leaving that farm was so bittersweet but I knew, I knew that I could trust, that even though we didn't find this property the year we left that farm, I knew it was coming. Somehow, some way it would happen. And it wasn't always easier the older we got, but it did happen, and we let it happen, and um, we could not be happier here.
0: Ugh. Yeah, and having patience, right? Yes, it can't be right now, just like when you spray, you spray the bad crap to get rid of that weed that minute. Yeah, it's waiting and allowing and doing taking the correct steps.
1: Yeah, I'd rather put the hoe in my hand and sweat (laughs) and put a lot of yeah toil into the soil to get what I need instead of going the easy route, I guess,
0: Suzanne. Thank you so much for your time today. And, you know, the last, I don't know, 10 minutes here was just full of stuff. And I hope that people have stuck around for the end of it to get all these words of wisdom and thoughts that you have. Really amazing. And that's that's it right there. And the fact that you're open to everything. And I'm just thrilled to know you. And if you have a dinner, I would love to be invited. at your property and gosh thank you so much for your time today oh
1: wendy i couldn't be happier to get to talk to you and i'm hoping it can inspire some of us in our 60s to keep on going girls because there's a lot of life life left in us and we have so much to offer and i just i appreciate you so much for for having the platform for this
0: oh thank you yeah this is when we should be doing what we're doing because we have the experience and now we have the self-confidence and we just have it all now, kind of, and we should share it. Thank you. And until next time, breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired,